Yes, it is Monday, March 20th, 2023. Welcome to Raging Chickens, Out to Coop Live. This is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. On Out to Coop Live, we talk to progressives, activists, and troublemakers of all sorts, right from our own backyards and from across the country. You can also join us at the end of the week for our Friday Politics Roundup, where we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. And you can get all our shows by subscribing to our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, I mean, you're listening to it anyways, just give us that five-star review, leave a comment, let other folks know why you're listening to the show. You can help support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress for all the details. And you can help out the show right now by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. And hey, for more PA Progressive Talk, tune in to the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get a stream, he's going to be there. Right? Make sure you subscribe to his podcast and check him out at thericksmithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. And if you haven't already, you got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast, the amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast. Rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And subscribe to their podcast at Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you haven't heard, The Signal is a brand new podcast by the Bucks County Beacon. The Signal is hosted by the Beacon's editor-in-chief, Cyril Michaleko, and produced by... Yours truly. Yes, twice a month, The Signal will shine a light on the right-wing extremist currents streaming through Bucks County and beyond. Cyril invites guests who provide insight, analysis, and organizing solutions so that we can steer the community toward calmer, saner, progressive roads. Check out all the details at buckscountybeacon.podbean.com or just get the podcast wherever you get your podcast because it's everywhere. And for all you gamers out there, the Quaker Town, I mean, the Game Inn, I'm sorry, the Game Inn, that's with two N's, the Game Inn is a Quaker Town-based black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show. They've got everything for Retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, walls of Funko Pops, and kids get discounts when they get A's in the report card. You can't beat that. Check them out on their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at, at the Game Inn, that's two N's got a question about a game look for something hard to get shoot me a message or drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com and a special shout out goes to jonathan mann who wrote our intro song there are no people in the future check out all his great stuff on his youtube page and follow him on twitter at at song again two ends at song on twitter and look, everybody, don't let Paul Martino and his oligarch friends buy our schools and push extremist politics in our community. Raging Chicken has teamed up with Level Field to launch a truly community-rooted pack to invest in organizing, supporting local and statewide progressive candidates, and unmasking the toxic organizations injecting our communities with right-wing extremism. 
or putting small dollar donations to work to beat back the power of big money. You can get more information and drop your donation at ragingchicken.levelfield.net. That's ragingchicken.levelfield.net. Well, everybody, I'm very, very excited, as you know, uh, about tonight's show. This week, I welcome Alan Gratz to the show, and we'll be talking about his latest number one New York Times bestselling young, young adult novel called Two Degrees and the controversies over the Kutztown Area School District's canceling of their One Book, One School Middle School program that was set to read Two Degrees. Why did they cancel reading his book? Well, it's a familiar story of right-wing extremism infecting our schools. Right-wing members on the school board and in the community objected to reading the book that accepted the reality and the threats posed by climate change. Now, on April 15th, Gratz will be one of the featured speakers at the 25th annual Kutztown University Children's Literature Conference. And in the wake of the decision by the Kutztown Area School District to cancel their one school, one book program, he made extra time to meet with the community while in town. He'll be doing two events at Firefly Bookstore in Kutztown on April 15th as well. At the evening event, this is like, I'm totally psyched for this. At the evening event, he'll be interviewed by Jocelyn Diffenbaugh. Now, she is the founder of the local teen band book club, which you all know because uh, we've been talking about that. And details for the events can be found on Firefly Bookstore's Facebook page and through the links in tonight's show notes. Alan Gratz is the number one New York Times bestselling author of 19 novels and graphic novels for young readers, um, including Two Degrees, Captain America, The Ghost Army, Ground Zero, Refugee, Allies, Prisoner B-3087, and Ban This Book. A Knoxville, Tennessee native, Alan is now a full-time writer living in Asheville, North Carolina with his wife and daughter. Learn more all about him and check out all his amazing stuff at www.alangratz.com. Alan, welcome to tonight's show. Hey, Kevin, thanks so much for having me. Man, I'm so absolutely thrilled uh, to have you on uh, for tonight. Number one, as I've said to you, is uh, my daughter, she's an 11-year-old uh, middle school student, is a huge fan. Um, and we were excited to actually uh, uh, to read Two Degrees. And we hadn't read it yet when all this all this went down in part because she's like, you know what? I've got a couple other ones that I'm going to finish first before we get those. All right, that's fine. <laughs> that's great. Um, so that's great. And also, it just seems, you know, I had no idea this was going to happen today, but today also the um, the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, released its uh, summary report with some pretty yeah. sobering uh, numbers and background. And yeah. it's also the 20th anniversary of the beginning of the Iraq War, yeah. which is something that you've kind of, I mean, weren't writing Wrote about, about tangentially <laughs> with, two, with, with uh, Ground Zero um, because uh, the Iraq War, the war in Afghanistan... As we know, they're connected. 100%. So, you know, thank you for being here. And, uh, you know, and thank you again for taking that time to make some extra time for these uh, for these kids um, that who were so excited to kind of read your book as part of that program and to make some time to be there out there in the community for kind of a broader discussion. Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure. You know, it was already booked to come to the Kutztown University Children's Lit Conference, which is for educators to come in and to meet authors and to learn new strategies to use those authors' books in the classroom and and find new ways of teaching and and um, and then I think the uh, the idea was that uh, the Kutztown School District would would read two degrees as a one book one school program, knowing that I was coming to town, um, and and you know then you guys know what happened. You know better than I do what happened because you live there and um, and everything that's happened since then. So I was already coming to town for the Kutztown University. Um, a children's lit conference and and so 
yes, when all this started to go down and they contacted me, they said, hey, do you know what's going on? I was like, oh, yeah, I've got Google alerts. Uh, um, I, I've seen I've seen the article in the Philadelphia Inquirer, you know, so um, no. And, and your local newspaper uh, actually covered it first. The Eagle. Yeah. Right. And did a great job covering it. And I thought really a, a really in-depth look at, at what was going on and, and a lot of quotes from people. So that was fantastic. So so uh, shout out to the Reading Eagle. Um, but then once we realized that all this was happening, that we, we, we discussed it real quickly and we said, hey, I need to get in front of people in, the, in, in public, not just at the university. And that was what was behind the public events at Firefly. So April 15th, uh, from one to two, that's just kind of a meet and greet. If you can't make the evening event, but you want to come by and get a book signed, um, come by from one to two. I'm going to walk over from the conference, then walk back to the conference, finish up the afternoon over there at the university just down the street, and then I'm going to come back again at 6.30, uh, and I'll be there from 6.30 to 8, and that's when Jocelyn and I are going to have our discussion, and we'll do another book signing. So a couple of times for the for the folks in your community to come out and see me and say hello. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I know that uh, the group Red Wine and Blue is working with uh, Firefly Bookstore to raise funds to um, get 200 copies of your book to have on hand to give out to those middle school students who um, were looking forward to reading it um, for true. And you know what, I know that, you know, the, the librarians and the teachers were really looking forward to this. And, you know, they were quoted in that piece by Lisa Mitchell and the, and the Reading Eagle basically saying, look, we can't keep his books on our shelves. I mean, it's <laughs> rare that you find, you know, kids that are actually gravitating towards you know, reading, I mean, one reading, but more so reading novels that are dealing with kind of historical perspectives, big issues, kind of ideas that are kind of matter, right? I right. mean, not just like a love story or not just, not only kind of like a coming of age story. I mean, of course that's important, but doing but it not, in a not just entertainment, but not right. just entertainment, right. but something else. Right, right, totally. 100%. So, well, so before we jump in to talk about um, two degrees, let me ask you this one. I mean, this is uh, the point of privilege that I told you here. Uh, <laughs> I asked my daughter, uh, the big fan, I said, uh, you know, what was the thing, what was the question that you'd want to ask for? You know, what was the question you want to open? She just really wanted to know just something really basic. And it's like, you know, kind of what inspired you to start writing um, um, for kind of a young adult audience, but also writing about these kind of big issues and this ideas for that audience. Sure. So as you pointed out, I've got 19 books out. I've been, been uh, published since 2006, been writing for young people earlier than that, but it took me that long to get a book published and, and in kids' hands. Um, but really, I, I knew I wanted to be a writer since I was a kid, and I worked on it all through middle school and high school, and I went to the University of Tennessee to study creative writing. Then I graduated with a creative writing degree, and I did a lot of other jobs that had to do with books and had to do with writing, but I needed to also make a living, and so I was doing. <laughs> so you know, so I was doing all those other jobs while I wrote and sent stuff out, and um, I was I was kind of trying everything. I was trying TV scripts and movie scripts, and I was trying comic book scripts, and I was trying uh, novels for adults, and I was trying. I was writing plays in, for a community theater. I was doing a whole bunch of stuff, and my wife uh, at the time was a was a, um, a a bookseller at an independent bookstore, and she was in charge of the kids department. And she brought home Laurie Hall Sanderson Speak. She brought home Philip Pullman's Golden Compass, and she was like, uh. "Read this, read this, read this. These are incredible." And I read these books, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I want to be a part of what's going on in kids' books right now." Like there there was there was this exciting sort of a renaissance in kids' books happening already, and I wanted to jump in on that. So I put everything else aside, and I started focusing on kids' books. Now, it still took me about six years from that point of writing books and sending them out and getting rejections until I sold my first book, which was called Samurai Shortstop, 
and uh, and that came out in in twenty two thousand six, and I've been really lucky to have about a book a year come out ever since then. Now to the other part of your daughter's question, which is kind of like why this kind of book, it, it, what I'm writing yeah. at the beginning of my career, like the first. I don't know, maybe like the first 10 books, I was just worried about entertainment. I might have a little bit of a message or a little bit of a theme in there that was personal, but I was writing fantasy stories. I was writing murder mysteries. I was writing some historical stuff, but just, you know, trying to get the action and adventure in there. Um, and then I, uh, I guess, what year was it? Maybe it was like 2012, 2011, somewhere in there. And um, I met a guy named Jack Gruner. And Jack was, he's passed away now, but Jack was a Holocaust survivor. And uh, he was 10 years old when Nazi Germany invaded his home country of Poland uh, to begin World War II. And that began for him six years of being a prisoner of the Nazis, first in a Jewish ghetto in Krakow, and then eventually he was taken to 10 different Nazi concentration camps. And he survived all of them, and he lived to tell his story, and... He went to Scholastic and said, I have this incredible story. Do you want to do a book about it? They were like, oh my gosh, yes, this is an incredible story, but you're not a writer. Can we find a writer to pair you with to tell your story? He's like, yeah. So they called me up. They had read my other books and some of my other ones were historical. And they said, would you like to meet Jack and work on this book? I was like, heck yeah, that sounds amazing. And so I got to meet him and he, you know, we, we worked together on this book. It was called Prisoner B3087. And that was my first book for Scholastic, and the first of my red, white, uh, my my black and white and red books, um, yes. which uh, is what we a lot of or a, kid, a lot of kids call them my red letter books, which I think is funny uh, because they have a lot of uh, red fonts on the top on the, as the titles. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tell people I'm black, white, and red all over, you know, as the old joke. Um, <laughs> the old joke, right? But uh, so that was the first of those books for Scholastic, and then I thought, well, I'll get back to writing. The fun stuff now. Like I did my heavy, serious, you know, like here's the Holocaust from the point of view of this kid who survived it um, a book. And I and in the way publishing works is you got to start working on the next book a couple of years before it comes out. I mean, everything is slow in publishing. So I'm working on the next book. It's a spy thriller, you know, contemporary. And um, then Pr- Prisoner comes out. And I got more fan mail about that one book than all of my other books combined. And... They first of all, they were like, "When are you going to write more books about World War II?" It's like, "Okay, I hear you on that. I'm going to get back to that." Um, but as you know, I haven't done just that. I've done climate change. I've done yeah. I've done the war in Afghanistan and, and 9/11 and that sort of thing. But but the thing that they really wanted over and over and over again were books that confronted really challenging issues. There are I'm not the only person doing it. There are plenty sure. of other authors doing it, and they're doing it really well. But but the the kids who've responded to my book so strongly want that kind of read. They want a, a story that entertains, but they also want a story that makes them think, that challenges challenges them a little bit. And that's really become my wheelhouse for the last nine or so books. Uh, I, I heard a, uh, I won't go too long on this because I know you have other questions, but I heard a really great podcast, speaking of podcasts, uh, with Jordan Peele, who wrote uh, Get Out and Nope. And um, he talked about his current movies as social thrillers. And when I heard that, it kind of clicked for me. I had already been writing these books. Like Prisoner was out and a few of the other books that are the black and white and red covers were out. But that's when it really clicked for me and helped me focus in on what I was doing. I want to write books that are thrilling, that a kid can't put down because they're so entertaining and page-turning, but also 
that have a social element to them as well, that, that have a um, something that challenges them, the kids to think about their world, to ask questions and, and talk about those things with the adults in their lives. Well, and I'll tell you, and as and as a parent, I can't tell you like I mean how much I could see that happen. I mean, your books. I mean, I think I, I I'm pretty sure the first one. Well, I, I got to ask her; she'll correct me. She'll <laughs> tell me which one. But I remember it was probably it was probably Prisoner because um, right. because after that, right, what that opened up for her was not just I want to read more books by this guy. She that's definitely she wanted that, but then she wanted to know more about the time. Right. So she started taking out books on his like 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 history books. That's and awesome. She got really drawn to that. And, you know, I asked her, you know, I, you know, I'm an educator. <laughs> so, you know, says, are your friends talking about this? She's like, oh, yeah, we sit down and we talk about this and we talk about which ones we're going to get out and read next. I mean, like, what more could you want? Right. I mean, that, that alone tells you what, like, where the cravings are, what kids are looking for and what they're, and they don't want to be talked down to. Yeah. Right. But they, they also want to be engaged. Right. And they want to have something that it means something to them. And it's like each one of your books that has come out seems to have hit that, you know, kind of right on the right spot. Thanks. That's what I'm trying to do. The books that meant a lot to me as a kid were the ones that didn't talk down to me, that took me seriously, right. that said, I see you, I hear your concerns about X, whatever it was that, you know, that book was about, and 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 treated that topic seriously. Look, uh, not every kid's going to pick up two degrees and and respond to it uh, the same way that every other kid is, it's, it's some other kid is. So uh, there might be some kid who's desperately worried about climate change. And for them, this book will answer some questions. Uh, there may be another kid who's just absolutely cannot understand the, the Holocaust, cannot fathom why it happened, and wants to read as many books as they can to try and understand how human beings could do that to other human right. beings, right? You never know what's going what's gonna to click with a particular reader. So well, not all of my books will, will be that book for every kid, but for some kid out there, I hope yep. that each of my books is that for some kid out there, that they pick it up, they read it, and they say, oh my gosh, this... This is what I was worried about or what I've been thinking about or what I needed to know more about. And, and that opens up a whole world to them where there are, again, tons of great books being written. We are in a renaissance of kids' books right now. There's, it, if, if, you, if you run into a kid who says they don't like to read, it's only because they haven't found the right book yet. And I guarantee you it's out there. And um, it, it, because there's so many great books being written on everything for kids today. 100%. And like, so let's get into two degrees because sure. this is like, you know, I, we talked a little about this before the show, but I mean, I think that, again, from my perspective, the, the issue of climate change and what's happening to our planet right now needs books like this. Right. And like you said, this is not like the only book that will ever come out kind of about this, but needs books right. like this that are kind of are not like, OK, let's sit down and go on for a three hour seminar about kind of parts <laughs> per million in the atmosphere. Right. Right. So but but I mean, I have to say, I mean, it seems to me that it's it's a challenge. Right. And so oh, yeah. I, I'm curious about, you know, what made you decide, OK, my next book I want to work on is on climate change and, um, and launch it into this uh, into this book on two degrees, which came out just in this past October. Just this correct? past October. It's not even a yeah. year old yet. Yeah. yeah. So the the reason I uh, listen, it, it, thinking about tackling to, uh, climate change in, in a book was really daunting. And I um, I had kids keep asking me for it. So for years and years and years before the pandemic, I did school visits for like 10 years. I was on the road sometimes a hundred different schools a year talking to kids about my books. And in the Q&A sessions, they would offer suggestions of things that they wanted to, mm -hmm. to know more about. One of those was 9-11 
and I wrote a book about 9-11 called Ground Zero because I had so many kids asking about that. And, and the day I realized that, oh my gosh, even my daughter, who's now in college, was born a year after 9-11. So these kids, it's history to them. It might as well be the Revolutionary War because yeah. it's, it, it was before they were born, right? Okay, so I, I got asked to write a 9-11 book. I did that. And then kids started asking me about a book about climate change. What is climate change? Can you write a book about climate change? And I kept thinking, how do you write a book about something that's been going on for 200 years and really slow pace and, and, and that doesn't have like a, like a single villain? You know, like there's there's yep. there's not there's no Nazis to fight against in this, right? There's there's no there's no one person to point at and say you did it, you know, and and um, it, it's it it's not it's not confined. Like I've written a book about D Day, uh, so it doesn't happen in the space of a day. It doesn't happen in the space of a week or a month. It's this long thing. And, and when we're talking about about actual like um, climate change over over millions of years on the earth, then we start to get just way out of proportion for a story. Okay, right. so, but it was kids, kids who asked me to write about it. I, I've written about war. I've written about the refugee crisis in the world. I've written about the Holocaust. I've tackled big topics that kids want to un understand better. And so when they said, can you write a book about climate change? I thought, well, I'm, I'll give it a shot. Um, but then came the challenge of reading all the science, Usually I, I'm just doing historical research, right? I'm just learning about D-Day or 9-11, which, you know, happened during our lives, but is still historical research in a way. Yeah, and so, sure. like, I'm, I, I usually have an event, one thing that I can study from the beginning to end. But climate change is this ongoing thing that's been happening for, you know, decades, centuries. And I kind of got lost in the science, not, not confused by it, I mean, the science is right there. It's out there. You can read it. There's a lot of people doing great work, writing great nonfiction books that that help that help clear it up. But there's so much to learn. There's so much to learn. And I'm not a trained scientist. Um, and so I, I usually take about nine months to a year to research a book before I ever really start writing the book. And this one, I think, took me like a year and a half at least. And... The whole time I'm I was reading it, I was coming up with my first original idea was that I would have 27 different stories, 27 different kids, <laughs> and that I would put the I would put the global and global warming right. That I would right, tell right, stories right, about right. kids all over the world, and that it would be short stories, right, real quick hits of different things happening all over the world. And I pitched this to my editor, and she's like, "Maybe, maybe we need fewer kids." And I'm like, "Okay, what?" And she's like, seven? And I'm like, you want me to take seven out? And she's like, no, maybe get it down to seven. And I'm like, oh no. So then I start thinking about that, and and I and I narrowed it down from seven to four. And I even had an entire fourth story, a fourth kid plotted out and ready to go. And at the eleventh hour, I realized it's still too much. It's still too 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 much. Um, you know, I was looking at writing about uh, wildfires in Australia. I was looking at writing about rain bombs in Mumbai. I was looking at um, writing about the, the city of Jakarta is sinking, right? Is, yeah. And there are islands in the Pacific that aren't going to exist very soon because of the rising sea levels. I was looking at um, desertification in Nigeria. I was looking at places all over the world and trying to figure out how to tell stories about those. And I was like, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. And I kind of got overwhelmed. And I think as you uh, read on my website, uh, this was also the book I wrote during the pandemic. And let me tell you, choosing to write a book about the end of the, about the end of the world from a heat death, from human caused climate change, is not a great thing to be researching when you're trapped in your house 
because of a pan- global pandemic. It was a it was a rough time, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, well, I can imagine. It's like, well, let me see. I could I could doom scroll about what's happening in the pandemic. Oh, like, oh no, let me get a break from that and go back to my research right. on climate change. Like all right? day I mean, in my office for six hours, eight hours, I'm reading about how we're killing ourselves, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't leave my house, and and I don't want to because of climate change now. And it was. It was rough, and and I, um, um, you know, I, I had a really hard time figuring out how to rein the story in. I eventually decided that I would make it all characters who live in North America. Because I wanted to make it global, I really did. But part of what you have to do when you do that is, if you if you talk about Mumbai, you've got to talk about the class system in Mumbai. You've got to talk about poverty. You've got to talk about the culture of Mumbai. And climate change, right? Like, because I'm writing for a Western audience. I'm writing for Americans, for Canadians, mostly for a Western audience. My books are translated into other languages, but still predominantly my audience is English-speaking and North American. And so I would have to do a lot of work to introduce those other communities and cultures and also introduce climate change. And it was like, it's too much. So as I I used to be an eighth-grade English teacher, and as I would tell my writers, my kids uh, who, who were writing stories... If you're going to break something in a a story, don't break more than one thing. Just break one thing. Just make one thing different. Like we would do these fractured fairy tales. And I would tell them, change the time, change the place, change the characters. But don't do all of those. Because then it becomes something unwieldy that you can't get you can't get a control over. So I realized that's what kind of what I'd been doing. I hadn't been following my own advice. I was I was setting up a situation where I was going to introduce these characters you hadn't heard of and a culture you hadn't maybe experienced and climate change, which you didn't know anything about. It was too much. So I reined it in and I ended up telling the story of three different kids in three different parts of North America, all of whom are dealing with climate disasters that are either caused by or made worse by climate change. So it's the story of a girl named Akira who with her horse Dodger uh, tries to escape a raging mega fire in the Sierra Nevada mountain range in California. It's a story of two boys named Owen and George who are being chased by a polar bear who's come in off the melting sea ice near Churchill, Manitoba. And it's also the story of a girl named Natalie who, uh, with her neighbor's chihuahua in her arms, is struggling to survive a Category 5 hurricane that's hit Miami, Florida. And I weave all three of the stories together so you get a little chunk from Akira, and then a little chunk from uh, Owen and George, and then a little chunk from Natalie. And in the end, we find out that all of these characters are connected. And I don't want to spoil how, but, but, but a lot of times that's where my books go, is discovering the connections that we have uh, and learning that we're stronger when we face these challenges together. Well, and this is what I, I said to you before the show, too, as well. When I asked my daughter, okay, what book am I reading next? Because you got to tell me which one. And, you know, she recommended <laughs> right. Ground Zero. Yeah. And it was because exactly what you're talking about is that, you know, that feature of the characters that you learn that these stories that you're learning about these different kids who seem like they're on the surface that are not connected end up being connected. And I, I think, you know, I, I've got to say that what was really interesting is that the characters, even though you say, okay, yes, primarily North American audience, right? If you know, you're, you're, you got a, a whole range of kind of diversity and perspectives and class oh, yeah. stuff that is all woven throughout this text, right? And so that's what, you know, and again, I'm very much struggling to make sure that I'm not like rooting this story <laughs> well, it, for anybody. Yeah, I appreciate right? that. No, exactly, because I, I really, really, I really love kind of what you've, you've done with that. And, and, if I were to say anything um, about the book as a whole that I found that was really um, was exceptional is that unlike what we saw in some of the criticism that, you know, we saw in Kutztown by right. the, by, you know, the school district and things like this is that 
there's kindness and there's love and caring and and the importance of complex and often contradictory relationships yes. are ever present. Right. Yeah. So it's not, you know, th these criticisms that that were in the, like printed in the papers is where I'm not spoiling it. Right. We're saying like, oh, you know, you have Akira who you mentioned is like, you know, she's mad at her dad because her dad, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, her dad is a climate things. change denier. But but right. I, I don't vilify the dad. I, I totally. just I'm, uh, part of what I'm trying to do is say there are going you're going to find people with other opinions in your life. You're going to run into people who don't believe the same thing that you do. You and I run into this all the time. And um, what you've got to learn to do is be confident in your in your own beliefs and steadfast in your own decision to act, even if that goes against the beliefs of other people that you care about. How many of us how many of us kind of dread going home for the holidays and having some family member right. that we know we're going to butt heads with, you know, and, um, but, but, but we, but we stick to our guns that we, you know, we say, this is what I believe. And this is, this is how I'm going to act moving forward. And that's really what it's about for that character is saying she still loves her dad. She doesn't like divorce her fa family or anything, <laughs> right, right? You know, right. She's, it, it, it's not like she's, she's like, let's leave my dad and never speak to him again. She loves her dad and she wants to continue to have a relationship with her dad. They share a love of nature. They sh share a love of the outdoors that th th they both view nature in a little bit different way, but they, they both love the same thing and they love each other. And it's not a question of like, of like uh you know turning on your parents it's a it's just a question of asking questions of the world as it is presented to you by everybody and making your own decisions and then and then being um being able to stand up for what you believe in well you know this is something that you know i teach you know first year composition uh, composition classes right and I've, that's what my training is in and all this stuff and one of the, my mantras always to my uh to my students is always like, like you know look I know you've been trained, right, in part because of like standardized testing and all this sure. other stuff that everything's in a pro-con format. I said, but just think about your family and think about your friends. I mean, if we tr treated our family and our friends and our communities in a pro-con format, we would be like alone pretty quickly, right? right? I said, that's not the way the world works, right? I mean, things are complex and they're different and they're overlaying and one thing doesn't automatically negate the other. Right. I said, so part of it is kind of, what does it look like to approach something exploratory, right? You know, kind of looking at it from a range of different perspectives, looking right. at it from a variety of different facets and try to tell a more complex and engaging story. So, and I'm curious about with this, um, how much of, you know, our, say, our, the context around climate change, which often gets kind of, not, to, not just climate change, but this kind of really kind of, you know, I don't know, where, you know, you have two sides pitted against each other, and that's right. the way this, the narrative gets framed. Right. I mean, how much of that was kind of in the background when you're thinking about how you wanted these char characters to engage with each other? Yeah, um, I, like, I was thinking about that a lot. I, you know, you go into a book writing about climate change, and you and I know how contentious this issue has been. Um, and it's a big reason why uh, we haven't moved forward as much as we ought to. I mean, we've known about climate change uh, since I was a kid, uh, even earlier than that. Scientists have known, and uh, they've been trying to raise the alarm for a long time. And um, and then politics got involved. And as soon as politics got involved, uh, then you had a lot of spin uh, um, against it. And I know all of this background. I know all this is out there. And I told my editor right away from the start that my, my publisher was very excited for me to write a book about climate change. They were very uh, they were very supportive the whole way through. 
And uh, but I told my editor, I said, I don't. This isn't going to be a book about is climate change real. Like right. that's not the question of this book. <laughs> like we're going to start from a fundamental assumption that climate change is real and it's happening right now. In fact, the whole point of the book is, and and this is, I made an, I made a deliberate choice. There are many books about climate change that talk about the future, right? That that show an apocalyptic future of what will what the world will be like uh, if if we don't rein this in. And those are valuable because those are legit visions of what could happen if we don't get a handle on this. But but climate change is happening now, and it's already bad. As you pointed out, the IPCC uh, report came out today, and there's some good news in it. The good news is that we have slowed some emissions, um, enough to take some of the worst-case scenarios off the table, which is great. And the good news is also that we have the knowledge uh, of and the tools for how to decarbonize to do more of that. But the report also reveals, and this is kind of where my book was going, that low, we already, the, the, the low levels of temperature rise that we already have are more dangerous to us than we ever thought. And, right. we're, and especially in places like the, the poles or the equator, where a small temperature change makes a big difference, right? And um, those places are being uh, hit hard and uh, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, poorer communities are hit harder by this. Uh, as one of my kids says, you know, um, we're, we're not all in the same boat. Uh, some of us are riding this out in yachts, and the rest of the people yep. are clinging to the wreckage. And that's kind of what it's going to turn into for the haves and the have-nots of the world, is that the haves are going to sit there in their yachts and be fine with climate change for all the rest of their lives while the have-nots are going to be really struggling with it, already are struggling with it. So rather than tell a story of the near future or the far future, I told my editors, I, I, I said, I want to write this book for right now. And I want this to be about things that are actually happening. So while all three of the characters in this book are fictional, every single thing that happens to them is a thing that has happened to somebody in the last five years due to climate change events like these, to, due to, to megafires and hurricanes and to um, and to melting sea ice, um, and so all of these things are based in reality, even though the kids themselves are fictional and I've combined different events that have happened. But I didn't make up the science. I didn't make up right. the events. I didn't make up what's really going on right now in the world. And that was important to me to say, climate change is not. Look, all my life, people have been telling me, and I've been hearing. Climate change is something that's coming down the road. We got to do something about it or it's going to get us. I'm telling you what, it's here. And it, 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 there's room for it to get worse. Unfortunately, there's lots of room for it to get worse. But it's here and we're already dealing with it. Kids are already suffering from it right now, which is why I wanted to center kids in the story and say, hey, 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 don't let people tell you this is a down the road maybe kind of thing. It's happening. Well, you know, and I think that um, this is the kind of things. There's there's a quote by um, I, I think Rob it might have been from Robin Underwood or maybe one of the teachers, Robin Underwood, who is one of the founders of Coffee, which is a Cookstown okay. organized uh, organized for educational excellence. Uh, one of the uh, the groups that's kind of organizing around and making sure that you know kids get access to these things and making sure that we have sane sane policies that are happening at our school yes. boards and things like this. Um, and and but you know one of the things is like you know kids. We often, we often don't give kids the kind of credit that they really deserve yeah. in terms of what they're hearing. Because, you know, I mean, if if you have, 
you know, parents that watch and listen to the news, right? Or if you're talking about things that are on there, these are stories that they're seeing all the time. And whether they're absorbing half of this stuff, you know, consciously and studying it, or if it's part of, you know, the, you know, uh, the background noise, if you will, of what it means to grow up at this point in time. And so I thought that, you know, you talk about this a little bit in your author's note afterwards about some of that research, research about, yeah reading stories of people that have gone through this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I thought that's what made it, I think, and it is gonna continue to make it that much more gripping for kids because th I think they connect with it too as well because it's stuff that they're hearing about and seeing already. So I set the book in, uh, all three stories happen concurrently. They're happening in different places, in California, in Churchill, Manitoba, in Miami, Florida, but they all happen at the same time, right around the same time in October. And that's because one of the, the core reasons I wrote the book like I did is I read a story that said that uh, during one 30-day uh, span in 2019, I think it was, something like a third of all American citizens were going through a climate change-related weather disaster all at the same time. It wasn't the yeah. same disaster. It was different disasters all over the country. A third of American citizens all at the same time. And it, like in 2019, it's already happening. And if we're going to see those numbers grow, I, I always start my presentations by talking when I'm talking to kids by saying, you may have heard of climate change. You may have already lived through a climate change event because so mm -hmm. many people already have, you know, and, and, and that's that's the thing is it, we're, 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 we've got kids out there going through it. As you say, kids are more worldly today than they were when we were kids. And this is a hard thing for adults to get our heads around sometimes. We always think, oh, we wanna protect kids, we wanna keep them innocent for as long as possible. And I get that, I have a daughter and I wanted her to believe in fairies and Santa Claus and everything for as long as she could, right? Like I, mm -hmm. I, I and I encourage that. But I, but, but I also knew that the real world was encroaching on her faster than it did on me when I was a kid. Uh, we've got kids who are going through active shooter drills in kindergarten. We've got yeah. kids who are marching in Black Lives Matter protests with their families. We've got um, we've got kids who are out there on the front lines of climate uh, justice. Uh, you know, like Greta Thunberg has made a huge difference as a kid. The kids at Parkland uh, were, were were huge on on um, on gun violence and gun control. You know, like we've got kids who are dealing with this stuff because the world is coming at them. It's coming at them faster than ever before. And they, even if it's not happening to them, they hear it on the radio, they hear it on television or see it online. Um, and I would rather they have a book where they can experience that issue, whatever it is, in a, in a safe way, where it doesn't have to be them going through this horrible thing themselves to see what it's like to empathize with people who've been through it and to decide that they want to do something about it and change their world. I think that's the power of books is that books, um, they, they build empathy. And I think empathy leads to compassion and compassion leads directly to, to change. Uh, I think that once you see people in trouble, I don't know how you can't help them. Yeah, and I think that you know, um, my mom was uh, my mom was a kindergarten teacher. She worked in uh, inner city schools in Utica, New York, uh, kind of where we grew up. And one of the things that uh, that happened there is, you know, again, so many teachers will tell the story of what happens with standardized testing when suddenly, you know, the things that they, those kids needed. My mom would always say the kids they just needed someone just to to give half a crap 
I know. Right? And to kind of like, and to like, and, and to kind of model with them, right, that this was a safe space and they right. got a the place to talk about this stuff and all that stuff was being taken away. And, yeah. the, and she uses the same kind of words. Like, she's like, empathy, like, is like one of the things that we're supposed to be teaching in school, right? That's what it means to be part of a society, right? Right. right. Um, so, it's so one of the things I regret you, about oh, sorry, the, sorry. no, it's, it's sorry, one of the things I regret about the decision to, to, to not use the book, say, yeah. yeah, in the One Book, One School program. It's obviously super disappointing from my point of view. Um, it's the first time anything like this has happened. Um, and, you know, it, the book wasn't banned. Banning a book is, is like taking it off shelves and saying nobody can read it. The book wasn't banned, but it was removed from the One Book, One School program after the teachers had already said, we, we have read this book. We think it has value. We want to teach it. Um, when when um, they'd gotten grant money to bring in those books, yep. um, you know, you, you, there's a certain point where you have to trust the educators that you've hired who've gone to school for this, the librarians, the teachers, that they've made a, a conscious decision to bring something in because they think it has educational value and that they want to discuss it. And and it, it it's very it's it's sad to me that the community won't be able to read the book and and have that discussion, you know. Th- the, the, the whole idea of building empathy and compassion and it, it, it can't happen if you don't have the discussions. And, you know, I know a lot of people were lined up to come and defend the book and, and defend the, the right to read this um, at the school board meeting, but the rug kind of got pulled out from under him by the superintendent who just kind of unilaterally yep. canceled the program or canceled this book as a part of the program, which is, I guess, within his purview, but it took away all the debate and and the argument was as i understand it that the that we didn't want to bring the they didn't want to bring the 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 controversy into the classroom they didn't want the teachers to have to deal with that and i get it but i, I get what that what, what he's saying there but at the same time this is how the lone voices win this is how the 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 people with the outsider kind of viewpoints win is by making a stink and and if we give in if if we exactly. give into that then, then they've won, and and there's well, a there's usually a review process for these kind of things, and that's what the school board meeting was supposed to be for. There wasn't even a school board vote on it. It was done because it was already yanked before the before the program. That's the part was devastating for me too as well, and I think that so many so many parents felt afterwards. Yeah. It also felt that you know some of the explanations that came on afterwards would say, well, we don't want the, you know the teachers were worried about this. That was a little bit disingenuous and a little yeah. bit of kind of sure. like you know the, the the you know CYA you know making uh-huh. sure that it's not uh-huh. going to come back the bite mine. Right. And right. and you know because you know so the teachers were really upset about it. And like you said, they put in a ton of work yeah. to have this here. And to go back to that, you know what you're saying there about empathy too is I think what was so awesome when I first heard that they were going to read your book and that this is the discussion I said finally right you're going to be able to have this discussion in a right. way like in a community way because that's essentially what we need right yeah. I mean to be able to even talk about climate change we need to be able to talk about this as a community and talk about arranging all these issues and to kind of almost you know I, I don't want to sign like naive or simple or something like this but to reconnect with each other and yeah. saying look we're here and what are we going to do as a community to make sure that we're safe and not just us but these kids right. that we love so much the kids who are inheriting this world that we're that we're heating up uh and and uh you know by 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 removing the conversation you know if a climate change denier feels like they really have a case then let's have a conversation about it and let's have a, a debate about it but yanking the book before anybody can have a debate 
that that tells me that the other side didn't really feel like they had much of a case and the easiest thing was just to get rid of the book so that nobody would talk about it and 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 i i think you you and i see it for what it is i i i it's just a political ploy to to get the book for to to not be read um you know but if you're if your argument can't send up to a book written you know for middle graders then i i don't i don't know what what kind of argument you really have Right. I mean, especially when, I mean, literally I'm reading your book, like I'm, I'm, you know, I, I read your book um, and I read your book and I'm like looking for all these things, all these claims, all these things right. that were said about it. Right. And I'm like, are you serious? Right. I mean, you can't get, you can't get a page, like you pull out a quote on one page. You can't get to the next page before that unravels that right. cr the critique that they're making of it. I mean, that's, that's what was astonishing to me. And you know, even like when the superintendent came out and again, I'm not asking you to go here with me, but right, right. <laughs> it's like when the superintendent came out and was basically saying like, well, you know, it's like, we've, you know, we, we, we don't want this controversy and all that and say I, other things I've stood up, but you know, sometimes you just got to, I'm like, this was a hard one? Are right. you serious? Yeah. I mean, this was an easy one. Yeah, and, I like to you know, think again, so. It's, and and I, yeah. I, try to, I try to just write what's happening in the world right now. Uh, I did it with Refugee. I did it with uh, Ground Zero. Um, you know, I, I tackle really difficult topics and, and often controversial topics. But what I do is I, I, don't, I don't make up the facts. I make up the characters, <laughs> but not the facts. I, I make up characters and I drop them into real world settings. And the things that happen to them or that they do are things that have happened to real people or that real people have done. And and that's that's where I that's where I draw the line is I, I didn't have to make up stuff about climate change to make it awful because it already is bad. Yeah, and I think this is like one of the best things that's possible. Well, you know, I, I'm already keeping you longer than I, longer than I <laughs> it's promised you. All right, it's all I mean, good. Just, I mean, I, I just I just appreciate this discussion so much, and I appreciate your book, and I appreciate the kind of, you know, um, I, I don't know, the kind of generosity that you're bringing when you're coming here and say, listen, you want to make sure, make yourself available uh, while you're here for those kids that yeah. were kind of really had this kind of short change, were denied for this. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about, I know that you're uh, on April 15th, you're yep. coming as you, when we talked about the stop, uh, the, the head of the show, you'll be here for the Kutztown University Children's Literature Conference, but you're making time both at 1 to 2 p.m. and then uh, for a book signing at the Firefly Bookstore. Yeah, it's like a meet and greet from 1 to 2. Yep. No presentation, just come on in if you got a minute and you can't be there later. Yep, and then great, and then that night um, from 6.30 to 8 p.m., um, you'll be uh, talking with Jocelyn from the uh, the Teen Band Book Club. Yeah, and she's gonna she's gonna interview you, right? Yeah, we're gonna have a conversation. Kind of we're gonna ask that. each other questions. I think it's gonna be a, a great conversation about about climate change, about two degrees, and and about what she's doing with the Teen Band Book Club. Well, uh, you know, fantastic. Well, let me let me ask you this. And if you had to kind of have a final word that you'd kind of leave for folks that are listening tonight and who have been part of this. And I'll, I'll say as part of the context, too, I think, you know, in my school district, which is in the Penridge School District, which is about, I, you know, I work at Kutztown University, but I live in, uh, in in Bucks County in the Penridge School District, in the Central Bucks School District, which is about about 15 minutes from me, is that they, the school boards have basically been blown up through yeah. these kind of, yeah. you know, this, this you know, war. And, and it, 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 it is impacts everybody in the community the yeah. kids feel it right we certainly feel it as parents we have real real kind of concerns about sure. what's going to happen to their education and all this other kinds of stuff um and i and i know that's part of the concern too as well where people like the the, the coffee group robin underwood and kind of other parents that have been getting involved with this um you know people that are trying to stand up and trying to make their community safe and kind of protect what they they see is 
is necessary to preserve an education. So, I mean, these are the conversations we've been having in this space and, and others. And so if you're thinking about those folks and kind of, you know, coming to Kutztown and stuff, what would, what would you want to leave folks with tonight? So since, since the community isn't going to read two degrees, I, I hope a lot of people will come to it on their own. Um, but, but here's what I was hoping people would take away from the book. Uh, I, I was hoping that people would understand what climate change is and why we have to do something about it right now. But also more importantly, how it's impacting human beings right now, not at some nebulous date in the future, like I said before. But the biggest thing, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, is that I think a lot of the conversation around this book, especially at the school board meeting, was about fear. Was Do we want yeah. to scare kids? And there's a lot of frightening stuff in this book. There's a lot of frightening stuff in my other books. There's a lot of frightening stuff in the world. But here's something that you will always find at the end of every one of my books, and that is hope. I think that human beings are amazing. We're, we're creative. We're inventive. We're incredible problem solvers. Uh, one of the things I talk about with my D-Day book is how we were all able to come together as an international community and work together to overcome like this great and deadly challenge. We can do this. We have done it before as a, as a global community. We have the ability, the ability to fix this, to, to fix climate change. And here's the thing I want to leave people with. If the bad news is that humans are causing climate change, the good news is humans are causing climate change. That means it's within our power to stop it, right? This isn't some comet crashing into the earth. Yep. It's, it's not some, something that happens every million years that we have no control over. It is us. And if it's us, we can change our behavior and we can make things right again. We can fix things. And so if the bad news is that humans are causing climate change, the good news is we can fix it. Well, man, I can't think of a, a better place to leave this conversation tonight. Uh, I appreciate it so much. And again, everybody, the book is Two Degrees, um, and you can get it virtually everywhere. <laughs> um, there's a link um, in tonight's show notes, um, and I've got a link down there to go, go through IndieBound to kind of help support your kind of local bookstore. Um, I know you can get it from Firefly Bookstore, um, Doylestown Bookstore here in Bucks County. Um, great places. Um, find your local bookstore and get it through them. Um, and if you're able to, come out on April 15th, um, either from one to two for a short meet and greet, or able to be there for um, uh, for the you know the, the the interview later on that night from 6:30 to 8. Um, please head out Firefly Bookstores on Main Street in Kutztown. Um, please be uh, willing to come out there, but make sure you get this book. Make sure you read this book. I I am a big fan of saying we should be having reading groups of uh, every every little town, kind of <laughs> all throughout this Commonwealth and beyond, um, talking about this book with our kids because I can't think of a more hopeful um, way to have this. To Despite the fear, despite the concern, this book is about hope, ultimately. So uh, thank you, Alan, so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for being so generous with your time. And I look forward to meeting you in person yeah. uh, on April 15th. I'll see you in April. <laughs> Kevin, it was a pleasure. Thanks a bunch. Uh, thanks so much. All right, everybody. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. I want to remind you, you can help support this show by heading over to patreon.com slash rcpress. want to make sure that you pick up your copy of Two Degrees. Links in tonight's show notes. Check them out at alangratz.com for all the info. We'll see everybody soon. See ya! I'm flying away.